You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck! The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch. For the geeks and all the geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. How is everybody doing this week? Dude, I'm super jazzed. I, I'm excited about talking about this episode of Castle Rock because Indeed. it was a really good episode. We haven't said that at the beginning of an episode before. We haven't. <laughs> We've never said that. We've never said we were seven. excited. It only took seven. <laughs> uh, well, we'll definitely get to that after we talk about some geek news. So let's get right into it. And first thing I want to talk to is, John, I have to assume that you are a big fan of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was um, it was at that time when I was leaving Nick behind, but Nick was like right filling in that void <laughs> of like childhood to adolescence. So the, the next step is Adult Swim on Cartoon Network. Yeah, <laughs> was, uh, all of that stuff. So you change the channel over from twenty six to twenty seven. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. You're right. So okay, uh, are you afraid of the dark? Is moving forward, and right now DJ Crusoe is, I believe, in talks to direct the movie for Paramount. How do you feel about that? The only thing I can think of that he's directed is Disturbia with Shia LaBeouf. I know he's directed other things, but that's the only thing I can think of. So he did the millennial version of Rear Window. Yes, um, I think that's a good choice. That movie did have some pretty good suspense in it, um, in spite of it being a Shia LaBeouf vehicle. But uh, I, I guess we're starting to see the the surgence of the the now '90s nostalgia, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're moving past the '80s finally. Yeah, we talked about that. I think last week or something like that. It was just like the '80s. Like now that we're moving into a new decade, the '80s or the last decade's nostalgia. Now we're moving into '90s nostalgia. Yep, it's always like 30 years behind. So well, yeah. I, f- I feel like what was it? Um, a couple, a few months, several months back. Um, Nickelodeon released that box thing that you could buy that had just like a bunch of like shirts and different stuff like that. And it was like Rocco's Modern Life and all those things. I, don't I think we're firmly entrenched in 90s nostalgia. Was it like a loot crate or something? Uh, essentially, but like way more limited. Oh, yeah. I also feel like there was the there's that documentary that's coming out that's like oh, all yeah. Nickelodeon stuff, right? Yeah, there's a documentary What's that called? coming out. I don't remember the title. I just remember seeing the clip of it somewhere, like I YouTube. Think we, or we, we, I think we posted oh, yeah. the, the trailer for that's it. Right. I just can't remember what it was called. We've just got too much news, guys. It's, it's hard to keep track of. Very <laughs> true. But that's going tangentially with uh, another show. With uh, well, it's a movie. Well, now, you know, not well, and it was never a show. Oh, because it was a book. It was series. Yeah, it's a series of books. Uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. So the stories good. themselves were pretty tame by you know today's standards. Anyway, there's the one with the bone flute. Yeah. They wanted its bone back. <laughs> Terrifying. Um, yeah, but uh, the art in those books, at least the original art, was so creepy. It was like genuinely macabre. It was 
just you know weird clown zombie head coming out of the ground that was like the same size as the house next to it and, and like everything looked flaky yeah everything had that <laughs> weird texture to it and the, the one story that i'll never forget from it was the family that went south of the border on vacation and they thought they came back with the chihuahua it just turned out to be a really large rat oh jeez it was yeah it was like wow and it, and i used to think man that sounds really scary back when i was like 7 years old but mm-hmm. Um, so some of the stories probably don't age well, but what has me excited is that you got Guillermo del Toro involved mm-hmm. as uh, developing, producing, don't think directing, but his involvement in almost anything to me is almost always a sign of quality. Agreed. It, it's it's interesting. He has, um, they had to go through like through hell to get the rights for that one because uh, basically the only person they could get a hold of that had rights to it was the artist and he has a piece of the original art. Which I mean, to me, that's that would that's what's gonna make that movie is if they keep some kind of aesthetic like that in there. The only thing is, the books aren't even published with that art anymore. Yeah, that was what I was saying. Originally, you have that old black and white stuff, and Mm -hmm. now it's like much more generic. Yeah, it looks um, real bland. For that same reason, yeah, that they just kind of like smoothed it out, and um, I want to say they softened it a little. Well, it's weird. The cover looks like. This like generic like collection of like I don't know Edgar Allan Poe stories for teens, yeah, or like preteens. Even. There's like a scarecrow on one of them mm-hmm. now that does nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just... it's it's not scary, and I just I was so excited when they originally were trying to get this thing together, and now that it's actually like coalescing and everything, I find myself cautiously excited. Yeah, I mean the stories themselves were like I said they're okay, like they're basically <laughs> like. The story of Large Marge from Big, like Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Right. That's essentially what this is. Like somebody gave you a right here, and you're like, "Oh, she's been dead for 20 years." You know, <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, so creepy." You know, that's basically what they are. So, uh, going back to Are You Free of the Dark? Are there any episodes that you remember that you really like that you you yes. hope they include? I mean, the one I, with the bouncing you, ball. I feel like this this <laughs> should be like how they did the Twilight Zone the movie. Like this should be like what four or five episodes that they just. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's going to be an anthology where the the framework will be they all get together, talk about the stories, and then we'll get like two or three, probably three, just to round it out. And then at the end, there's going to be some kind of like the overall narrative. Another one that does that really well is um, Tales from the Dark Side. Tales from the Dark Side, I Creep Show. Creep Show, yeah. They all have that framework of yeah. different stories. And uh, that's what we need. We need uh, Creep Show and Tales from the Dark Side to come back. <laughs> I think they did a... Oh, no, that was Tales from the Hood. Tales from the Hood. <laughs> <laughs> they did, did a sequel to it, but they did the Tales from the Hood part two. Yeah. It's uh, different. And Shyamalan, <laughs> I think, was working on... A Tales from the Crypt for TNT, but that recently just he just recently came out and said, uh, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, mm. something problem with the rights, I think. Yeah. yeah. So that's unfortunate. I really that, like that show a lot. I think that's weird. I, th- I feel like HBO really should be like, hey, we should just make that show again. Yeah. Well, I believe they're starting to move away from like explicit stuff. HBO? Yeah. That's their bread and butter. It's uh, whatever the current political, social, economic climate is, they're apparently making strides. Like, I've heard now that they're contracting, um, I forget what the term for it was, but essentially, like, sex counselors now have to be present for their their original properties to make sure that the sex is now represented, like, consensually and, uh, like, fairly, I guess. Like... (laughs) 
They're going to cut down on rapey things and things that just could be mis- I, don't, I don't see how the the spin-off shows for Game of Thrones is going to work then. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's it's a changing environment. We're entering different times now. Yeah, you're right. All right. Uh okay. So Jason Momoa had the Aquaman premiere this mm-hmm. past week. And on the blue carpet, someone asked him, I think from ET, someone from ET Live asked him, "Hey, uh what's going on with Henry Cavill's Superman and he came out straight up and said, "Hey, uh Henry Cavill, I just got done talking to Henry Cavill. He's 100% in. He has absolutely not done playing Superman." Like, now you said this off 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 mic, but it's uh that it might not be his decision. It's Warner Brothers, <laughs> but he's all for it. And I, you know what? I'm fine with that cuz I think Henry Cavill does a great job of Superman. Yeah. Henry Cavill was not the problem with those no. other movies. No. <laughs> so many other things. But, but I did want to say this is that this is coming off of Two weeks ago when he was being interviewed and he said that he doesn't know what's going on with Ben and Henry, but if they leave, then that's, I mean, that's understandable because that's where their careers are taking them at that moment. But I guess since then he's talked to Henry Cavill and this is what he had to say. I just feel like right now it's going to be so much back and forth for all of these different things. Like whatever it is that he got from, from Henry Cavill in passing, probably, um, I don't know if that'll hold up like past a couple weeks because we don't know anything about some ink on paper. I mean, especially when we have to wait to see what actually happens with Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Because this is kind of like the last holdout for uh, the DCEU. Like, technically, Wonder Woman is, but I really feel like 1984 is rebooting that and being like, hey, we're not actually part of the that, that Justice League universe. So there's other stuff that's going to be happening. I'm my own. Shazam. 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 Is uh, <laughs> I wish, <laughs> I wish. Uh, I mean, th- I think there's gonna be heavy references to the rest of the DCU, especially mm-hmm. with uh, Freddie Freeman, Freddie Freeman being a huge fan of like the superheroes. But I don't feel like it's really gonna have any other connection. I agree. I still believe that all of this controversy about are they or aren't they not gonna still be in it is somewhat fabricated, just so that we keep talking about it. Yep. I think it's a, and it's a smart move too. I bet you they paid some kind of research firm like a lot of money. Say, how can we best market and change around our PR? And they're like, well, that's easy. Just make it seem like we're going to take it away. Say, you don't like our toys? Fine, we're going home. (laughs) And then that's going to make us be all like, oh, no, no, wait, wait, it's okay. We we didn't really mean all those mean things we said. Like, (laughs) you know, don't take away the one toy that we have in the sandbox. I I bet you're one of those people that believes that. Coca-Cola made new Coke just so that people would lo- <laughs> clamor for a Coca-Cola classic. No, that's documented. That is not documented. <laughs> it's not true. Coca-Cola also has hit squads in South America to take care of unions. It's it's all out there. Listen, I've got these manila envelopes with documents <laughs> I'd like you to take a look at. Please listen to my other podcast, John's Conspiracy Corner. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I think you should start up that, that podcast. <laughs> Actually, it should be a vlog. 20 minutes every night of just a new conspiracy theory. I think you're going to have a hard time cutting it down to 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, I know. It's going to be heavily edited. Uh, but anyways, um, I, 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 don't, I don't feel like Aquaman's going to do as well as everybody thinks it is. I think it's going to come out the gates real hot. Yeah, I'm going to watch gonna, it for sure. Like, well, yeah, I'm gonna, weekend, yeah so, well, so would I. But I, I think, think it's going to turn out that... All oh, the no. DC properties, other than Wonder Woman, have done that. It's, it's They mm-hmm. made huge money the opening weekend and then drastically dropped the next week. It turns out that was all the people who wanted to see it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all the nerds. Yeah. Well, I, I won't be there. Oh, you're going to be there. No. I already told it's you. It's not going to happen. You can't even make sure I go to a Christmas dinner. Uh, oh, 
<laughs> okay. Black Mirror. We talk about that show here. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> when it's on. Uh, guess who's going to be in, I think, I don't know if it's, they, no, it just said one of the episodes. It didn't say necessarily which episode. Who is going to be in it? <laughs> if you're not looking at it on my <laughs> Miley Cyrus. She has a role in uh, the fourth season of Black Mirror. Or is it fourth, fifth? Fifth, fifth season. Fifth, yeah, yeah, fifth season of Black Mirror. And the reason that we know that is because she was being interviewed uh, and she came up with the fact that she was filming Black Mirror and when she came home to California, her house had burned down because <laughs> of the fires. So she was talking about how she was very devastated by that whole thing. But it's, it's a crazy one. She's going to be in Black Mirror. I wonder what it's like to own a home. Mm. What? Yeah. <laughs> Ownage. Huh. It, it happens. Mm. No, um, I, this, this is a weird one. Uh, I don't know why they chose her for this stuff. I typically think they get good actors. Um, and that doesn't seem to be the case now. I, I don't know. I just... She might even be playing a character that's like loosely based on herself. Even we have no See, idea. That could definitely be. Miley it. Cyrus isn't really a bad actress. She's just a bad human being. Wasn't she well, also in both. Guardians Volume Two as somebody? Wasn't she the voice of something? Rocket I, Raccoon. No, <laughs> no she um, was. I thought she was the voice of something. I, I do believe you're right. She was in something as a voice, but I can't pull that from my memory banks right now. It's it's in there somewhere swimming. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I don't think she's a bad actress. I mean, she was Hannah Montana for a reason for such a long time, even if that was sing. a kid's show. Yeah. <laughs> well, that too, which leads me to believe that whatever her character is, that's probably what it's going to be based around, some kind of social media or She performer. was in that Nicholas Sparks movie where she met her... I don't know yeah, if they ever... Now, I don't know if they broke up. She posted something on social yeah, media I recently. I don't know if they ever got married or not, but uh, Liam Hemsworth... Like she, I know she was engaged to him for a very long time. Yeah, I think they're still together because the, the story that I saw about yeah, the, the California fires that burnt down her mansion. It was their, uh, their house. Yeah, together. like he was there with her, I believe. So Mainframe. Mainframe in what? The name of the movie is Mainframe? No, no, no. The character. She's Mainframe, I in think. Guardians of the Galaxy Yeah, see, I told you it was called Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. <clears throat> yeah, Mainframe. She voiced it. I think she's one of that's, she's one of the original Guardians or the original uh, mm. Ravagers. Gotcha. Oh, is that one of those, uh, <clears throat> the one that had the sparkly hands, kind of like Doctor Strange powers? Maybe. Because oh, okay. it was, it's Stallone, Michael <clears throat> Rosenbaum. Yeah, that group of people right Ming, there. Not Ming-Na, but uh, Michelle Yeoh. Ming-Na should be in everything. She should. She really should. Uh, okay, well, best, we'll have to see what the episode. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. She, uh, she, she's going to be in the episode. We're, we're going to watch it, and we'll talk about it when it comes to it. I mean, she, it could be like. Uh, Ed Sheeran's character in uh, Game of Thrones. Like everyone hates it. Li- literally, there just to sing and and Dude, say that a got a lot of hate. Yeah, it, it I, did I for understand. no reason. It's in Game of Thrones. Why'd you guys expect something good? <laughs> oh, oh, how dare you! <laughs> Your show was predicated on that. You're uninvited to the dinner you didn't want to come to. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, Okay, very small note. I just wanted to say that Jeffrey Dean Morgan is returning to Supernatural as John Winchester for the 300th episode. There's a lot of things in that particular sentence right there that is very important. Supernatural is hitting 300. You know how many shows have actually hit 300 episodes? Not a the lot. Simpsons. Not a lot. Simpsons is definitely one. I think they've hit 600 now. Yes. Damn. I mean, Family guy. It takes five Damn. seasons to get to 100 episodes. So The Office. Mm, they did not get They didn't get to 300. What? No. No, they only got to season nine? Season nine or season ten. Anyways, um, 
But Jeffrey Dean Morgan's returning, who hasn't been on the show since I believe season two as their their father. Uh, they've done plenty of flashback episodes. They've done time travel episodes. They've done travel to the the afterlife episodes. And John Winchester has never been there. So whatever they're planning, it's gonna be gotta be pretty interesting. Have they ever done the thing where they're referencing him, but like you never see his face? It's just like from the neck shoulder. Down or something. Sometimes yeah. They yeah. Do, sometimes they do that when they do the flat. They do flashback episodes. They go to when he's like a he's a very young man, so like late like nineteen twenty. So they have a different actor playing him, hmm. like a younger actor. But yeah, so to have Jeffrey Dean Morgan Wait, come back. Their father the was young in 1920, or are you saying when he was 19 or 20 years old? 19 or 20. Okay. <laughs> in 1920. I was like, Wait a minute. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Supernatural, 300th episode, John Winchester's returning. Uh, Chris Pratt, Tom Holland, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and Octavia Spencer are all lending their voices to Pixar's newest movie, Onward. Onward. Uh, The movie, as described in this Variety uh, article, is Onward follows two teenage elf brothers who embark on an extraordinary quest to discover if there is still magic left in the world. uh, It hits theaters March 6, 2020. thing I find really fascinating about this is that two elf brothers have to find out if magic still exists. Now, how does magic not exist if an elf exists? Elf is a magical creature. I mean, like... They could they wield magic, but they don't have to have it. Well, this is this sounds very similar to other fantasy works where that's exactly the the, the plot where magic used to be once like powerful and now it's moved into like the realm of legend because it mm-hmm. doesn't exist anymore. Game of Thrones has that uh, throughout okay. the first season. Yeah. They talk about magic as something that used to exist and until yeah, the but, rebirth of dragons. But it's interesting. That's literally the thing that brings in stuff in Shadowrun. But that's not like it's not like the 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 whites in the first season of of Game of Thrones are like, hey, I wonder if magic still exists. Well, we exist, so magic does exist. Well, maybe they just lost how to use it or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the the whole premise itself. It's I mean, although it's a tried and true uh, fantasy trope, it's one that I'm interested in that they're going to do it with this kind of attention to, based on the fact that Pixar is doing it. Because I mean, if you see a movie like Brave, that obviously has magic in it, right? Um, this would be more like, hey, there used to be magic. What happened to it? Let's let's go on a journey and find out. You know, and it is an interesting idea of how it would fit into the Pixar universe. Exactly. I do like that. I didn't think about that part. I think your your example your example earlier before we started recording is better. With bright, bright, yeah. Well, I mean, different type, but yeah. But that, I mean, I guess that, th- that one you don't. They don't wonder if magic exists because. It's confirmed. It's just like, well, it's it's not a thing that we but, all do. Yeah, it's not a thing that we all do. Yeah, exactly. It's rare. It's very rare. Because they do act very excited when they when they find Excalibur. Mm-hmm. Like that, they're like, oh wow, this thing actually exists, kind of thing. I'm hmm. I'm curious about this one. There's two things that I'm curious about. They say um, two elf brothers who are teenagers, nineteen. Teenage, yeah, teenage elf brothers. So I'm guessing that's Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. Is that teenagers in like an elf way, or are they like Ooh. babies for elves? Like I'm confused I'm about that part. I'm assuming it's teenagers in elf life since okay. if they they live 500 years. A teenager in an elf life is probably. In their 100s or something? something. Yeah. Like, I mean, and Tom Holland kind of looks like he'd be an immortal elf. <laughs> <laughs> we thought that about Ralph Macchio, too, and it didn't turn out that way. Ooh, <laughs> that's true. That's very true. <laughs> well, I feel like it's like men, when men hit their male menopause, it hits you like a brick wall. It's <laughs> true. It, it looks like a brick wall hits you. I feel like Fred Savage still looks the same from like Fred, the, no, Fred, the Fred Savage years. He's still doing it, for sure. <laughs> he's, he's still drinking the blood of virgins. <laughs> But um, the other thing I'm curious about is, um, so we're seeing a bunch of magic things pop up again. 
but they seem to be all different like takes on magic something applying to like current world and everything which was a big thing for like teen uh teen fiction for mm-hmm. a while they're like young adult fiction and it's interesting to see it finally hitting movies and stuff. So we're finally getting an adaptation of Artemis Fowl, which we've talked about on right. here. And then now this, which seems to be the same kind of thing. Okay. Cool. All right. Uh, Stephen Amell, after the crossover episodes of this year's CW shows, uh, so that would have been Supergirl, Arrow, and Flash crossing over in a event called Elseworlds, he tweeted out a picture of... Uh, Basically, a graphic that says Crisis on Infinite Earths and a little face emoji with no smile or anything. But I don't know what that's <laughs> supposed to be. A face. It's just eyes. So people are saying that's confirming that next year's crossover event will be Crisis on Infinite Earths. Do you think he's supposed to be doing like wide-eyed emoji and he's just bad with emojis? That could be it. He <laughs> could be like, oh. Stephen Mill spends too much Maybe. time at the gym. Does not use emojis. <laughs> Maybe he's going to like turn it slightly sideways next time he reposts and it'll have a little ketchup stain oh on it. Oh my God. And that'll be. <laughs> Crisis on Infinite Earths going to involve Watchmen? Yes. Oh, jeez. Infinite Earths. I mean, <laughs> it's true. They would be part of, of the Earths. And the uh, logo is kind of bluish, blue Dr. Manhattan. Uh, <laughs> it's all there. It's all there. I mean, who else could go up against the uh, anti-monitor? <laughs> I would like to see the Dr. Manhattan versus the anti-monitor. I feel like he just wouldn't care. He'd be like, ah, do whatever you want. To, uh, listen, I, got got, yeah. I left the kettle on in Mars. <laughs> I need to go sit on <laughs> Mars for a little longer. Uh, but yeah, so I think the implication of this would be that Black Lightning, uh, Supergirl, all those other shows won't exist on a different world anymore after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Everything would become one. I think that's the impl- cool. that's the implication to me. I like Black Lightning. I, th- I think it'd be cool if it got to fit into everything else. But wasn't after Flashpoint, the Supergirl was part of Barry's no. world? They were still separate mm-hmm. after their They're crossover? They're close. Yeah. They just <laughs> made it so that they could easily travel between oh, the two they worlds. Just made yeah. it, they, they got the dial into it. Yeah. yeah. The Stargate mm-hmm. coordinates. Basically. basically, yeah. They just, they just don't. <laughs> call each other when stuff happens so they can still have a problem in their city yeah yeah so i think one of the things in the first season of black lightning which i thought was interesting because when i think jennifer finds out finds out about her powers Mm -hmm. her mother says something to the effect is that well i'm not i'm not supergirl and i yeah, they, they show like a comic book or something in there too, I believe. They say that and they also reference to like, hey, I'm not these other superheroes. Mm-hmm. So it's saying that in the Black Light, Black Lightning universe, those he- heroes exist. In some way, shape, or in form. In some way, or shape, or not form. Not necessarily as people. But maybe but, as comic books. Uh-huh. So they have those stories. So this would be, if, those world, if that world gets incorporated too, then that would be, I think that would also be interesting. I think it'd be cool. I think they should all be in the same universe in the first place. They should have, but that was all because CBS had Supergirl first. It's true. And they were like, oh, no, we're going to keep it separate. And yeah. They're like, oh, CBS is like, this movie, this show is way too expensive to make <laughs> and and not enough people are watching it, so you can have it back, CW. card has a Coke problem, probably. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, so yeah, if we get a Crisis on Infinite Earths next, next season and they actually bring everything together, I think that's going to be pretty, pretty powerful. Okay. That'll be pretty awesome. And I love seeing uh, John Wesley Ship in the original Flash suit officially, once and for all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Toxic Avenger. Who wants to talk about the Toxic Avenger? Me. John. You have some, some Toxie? I, I miss Toxie. I uh, have not seen a Toxic Avenger probably in 30 years. 
that's the correct answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a relic of its time. It does not age well. Uh, it's very uh, just so bad it's good. And do you know where the first time I, I watched Toxic Avenger was? Was it at the college theater? Nope. It was USA Up All Night. Oh, oh, then you didn't even get the full version. I did not. That's that's unfortunate. I mean, that's like, I don't know, like getting diet soda. I was like, what's the point? I mean, yeah, diet caffeine-free soda? Yeah. Just drink water. Just, yeah, just drink water at that point. Watch Anne of Green Gables or something. Yeah, I, don't, I, I honestly don't know if I've ever seen, I've ever actually seen the full rated version of those movies. You know, what makes them great is just how like unapologetically gory they were. They were just super bad and um, gratuitous nudity is an understatement. I mean, it's there for no reason in most cases. They're extremely sexual, very violent, very gory, and... Uh, they just have a really, you know, they, there's a soft spot in my heart. My heart. <laughs> so teenagers and young adults of today might not know about Tromaville and where that, all that stuff, because I don't know if they've made a Tromaville movie in a while. I'm barely on the knowledge train for this one. Like, <laughs> and the, I like trivia. <laughs> since the late 90s or early 2000s, they haven't really done anything major. But yeah. um, the, Well, the, the creator guy uh, who gave Bill James... Tromo. who gave uh james gunn his first like movie work to do showed up in the guardians of the galaxy movies yes he did he was a prisoner on that one satellite yeah that prison planet in the first movie i don't actually i don't know if he was in the second movie or not i don't think so but he was in the first movie so there is there you are youngsters there's a way to go find out who that guy is he also (laughs) he also appeared on an episode of the angry video game nerd when he talked about the the toxic crusader video game i think what's the toxic crusader so the toxic crusader was the animated version of the toxic avenger Uh, it was exactly the same character uh except that they went a little further and they added new characters uh his origin was friends he had like a squad (laughs) yes it was a group it was essentially like kabuki cop no, oh. no. These were all original to the show itself. Oh, okay. So they, there wasn't any crossovers from other trauma properties like Tromeo and Juliet or anything like that. I think or, that was the last God. one I remember hearing about. And, and that's of, the one that James Gunn worked on. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, that was one of the later ones, yeah. yeah. It was also uh, Class of Nukem High. That one was one of my favorites. Yeah. And we we have a connection to that. It was what Class of Nukem High 3 was filmed at Kofa. Oh, was it really? Kofa High School, yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> I feel like we need to watch that. <laughs> That's like any time Bring It On comes on, like, we have to watch it. There's a high, local high school cheerleader group in here. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so they're very much a product of their time. They don't really hold up well these days. But if Legendary is going to commit to it and actually try to keep it in spirit to the original with, like, a studio budget, that could be amazing. I just don't know if there's a market for it now. Like, the this is kind of leaning more towards that 80s nostalgia. But, I mean, if they make it and it makes you sick to your stomach, like, it should, because that's what these were. I mean, like, the Toxic Avengers transformation and his, everything that happens with him is pretty disgusting. And the the way that he takes it out on the people that were bullying him, also pretty pretty graphic. Yeah, and, I mean, those movies are borderline cruel. Like, yeah. the, the, the violence portrayed in it is, like, it's for laughs, but it's, like, messed up. I mean, they, they, the, the one, I remember the, the goon crew in there, the bad guys, uh, they're basically like terrorist bullies and 
they run over this dude on a bicycle and then on their dashboard you see like all these different like uh stick figures mm-hmm. of like different types of pedestrians mm-hmm. and there's tally marks <laughs> under each one and there was like oh look bike bike and they go and make a tally mark on a guy riding a bike and there's like already four under it so they cross it out and they run him over he's still alive and they're like you didn't get him right so they back over him and for the special effects of like the car running over his head, it's literally a watermelon yep. with a wig on. <laughs> but it looks so graphic, you know. It's just like, oh my god! Like, that's, so it, I didn't explicitly say it earlier, but Legendary Entertainment has acquired the film rights to the Toxic Avenger. They are planning to develop a big screen reboot of the character. Uh, who knows when that's going to happen? But honestly, I don't think they should take this on. I agree because they're going to try and update it. Like I feel like. I feel like there's a there's a really good anti bullying like message in there because of the way the Toxic Avengers created, but like if they update it and then change it around so that it's more traditional origin story for a superhero, it's grounded. Yeah, people it's a little bit more grounded. Then the people who are actual fans mm-hmm. of the Toxic Avenger are gonna hate the fuck out of it, and then if they kept it a lot like the original. No Everyone regular else. audience people is going to be cool to watch yeah. that thing. So Yeah, th- this isn't the environment where people want to see this kind of movie right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a lose-lose. It's definitely sure. a lose-lose. It, it legendary, I think. I mean, I hope they do well with it. I hope something good comes out of it. I just don't see how it could. We'll certainly see. I just, I don't know. Uh, pictures of the Millennium Falcon at Disneyland's Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. There's a lot of possibly S's in that. Uh, came out on the internet. What do you think of this, John? You're our resident Star Wars fan. You like Star Wars? I know that if I'm ever on the Make-A-Wish Foundation list, <laughs> this is going to be my wish. I don't know if they do adults on the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Don't they? I thought you were no, just no, you, you just shave. You, you'll sell them on the internet. <laughs> I'm just really long. I got bonitis. <laughs> you uh, got that uh, the disease from Jack that Robin Williams Oh, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes, I got the endocrine problems. Listen, man, I'm, I'm Benjamin Buttoning. And I'm, just com- I'm, coming around, I'm around the corner on eight right now. <laughs> but it looks awesome. I, like the, I don't know if that's a real picture or mock-up that what we're looking at right now but uh it looks super cool it's like is that under construction still yes the sky looks really real yes it looks For i sure. mean it i mean lo- there's still scaffolding here so I'm, I'm assuming this is all still being built i mean this looks like a movie set it's, that's how it cool does. it looks it mm-hmm. looks like a hangar with the millennium falcons hanging out i do know that if i can ever afford to go to one of these places that it would be a childhood dream to like step near or even inside of the millennium falcon all right so we're gonna start up a kickstarter for john and tesla (laughs) to be able to go to disneyland when galaxy's edge opens up so that he can be one of the first people to get on the millennium falcon side note my daughter tesla when first exposed to i think it was the force awakens uh decided to call it uh the bb show Oh, because of the BB-8. Yes. This falls in line with, with her naming structure so yes. far. Yeah, she seems to gravitate towards one thing and then just revolves everything else around it. Uh, Mitch's I mean, house isn't Mitch's house. No. I learned that one today. It's not. It's Jarvis's house, my dog's house. <laughs> Which I like. It makes complete sense. All right. So anything else you want to talk about the, with this Millennium Falcon? I mean, the fact that we'll have a life-size one that you can actually walk in and look around and see stuff like that, I think that's pretty incre- incredible. I mean... You don't have that for Star Trek, right? You don't have a, a full-size um, inter- Enterprise that you can walk around. We have a full-size uh, Gundam and Evangelion unit. I want to say... Full-size? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Not well, just like the that's chassis. That's in Japan, though. Uh, yeah. 
Huh? Not just the chassis. No, like the, the Gundam stand- is there. Wow. Like, boom. That's and the, the Ava, it's like it's like a portion of the thing, like reaching out from something. It's crazy. Now, I want to say that in Vegas, maybe one of the Hiltons has a Star Trek theme to it. No, well, the old, yeah, like that was like 15 years ago. Like the, the Hilton did have the Star Trek experience, but that it did. It had maybe part of a set. I'm talking about like a whole built. Oh, like, like the full size. Yeah. yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Oh, no, that'd be way too big. Well, <laughs> I mean, this is a full size Millennium Falcon. Yeah, but that's I gonna mean, be that's big. That's gonna be. It's got to be the size of a, a, a jumbo jet, right? No, it's not that big. It what are you thinking? A Winnebago? Well, that's bigger than that. It'd be like a like a semi truck, like with a trailer, just more boxy. The, the same size. Winnebago, if you will. <laughs> two two Winnebagos together. <laughs> yeah, like two semi trucks put together with like a trailer behind it. That'd be about the same square footage, maybe. Of the Millennium Falcon, it's meant to be essentially the same function, a cargo ship. So you know, compare that to like you could see the cockpit right there. Like four people would be able to fit in that, like comfortably. Yeah. So, so if you st- extrapolate from there, that would be much bigger than a, a semi truck. Well, a couple of semi trucks. Okay. Combine that. Well, like I said, like a semi truck and these combined space of like a trailer behind it, but like scrunched together <laughs> so it's more round instead of long. All right, Here, here's here's that Gundam for you. That's insane. <laughs> that's, that's insane. The, the head moves. I'm still that. waiting for like them to make an uh, uh, like an Epion to go against it or something. What you don't know awesome. is that it's also fully functional, so it's ready to fight any ki- kaiju so that attacks. That, that's all I want in this world <laughs> is that when we have a real threat come down, they're just like <laughs> beam savers ready. He's gonna come out and fight against the Metal Gear Rex. <laughs> <laughs> they did take that one down and then put up a new one. I think it's the Unicorn Gundam. Uh, and so that means two Gundams out here in the world. Just saying. <laughs> Give me the heavy arms and I'll be happy. There's so many bullets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. We're going to get a little bit of a noise here for a second. Okay, there. Uh, ding, 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 ding. Stranger Things came out with a trailer that essentially told us the name of the episodes for the season. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool. I don't know if they've done this for previous episodes. But well, I like this. They've released them like in a like a press kit or in mm. a statement, but this is more like a trailer for just the titles, which so is you get, interesting. And, and that's essentially it's the it's the title sequence for before at the beginning of every episode and the and where the cast member names would be coming up. It's the title of the episode. So because those are the real stars. <laughs> the first one is <laughs> Susie. Do you copy? Susie, can you hear me? The Mall Rats. <laughs> the case of the missing lifeguard. The sauna test. Two with water so far. The source. The source. The birthday. Birthday. <laughs> the bite. And the battle at Starcourt. Which is or the battle of Starcourt. I'm sorry. It's so I'm so curious about that one because it means that, like the crescendo of the season is supposed to happen in that mall that they've teased. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see that uh, the trailer that they released at mm-hmm. Comic Con where it's like an infomercial, not a well, yeah, like a commercial for the local. Uh, yeah, mall. it's essentially yeah. a commercial for yeah. the mall. Like we got, yeah. we got like the I forget what the stores were, Sotheby's or whatever bullshit nonsense they've got in there. I hope it's a Dawn of the Dead situation where like survivors all hole up at the mall and that's their last stand. I mean, it might be. Honestly, the, the my only thing for this is like, but Dawn of the Dead would have been seventies, right? Uh, seventy-seven, I want to say, yeah. or seventy-eight. Okay, no, I'm just saying like they, their usual motif is eighty stuff. But I mean, we might be going into the nineties with like the one early or Mall Rats. That's true. Yeah, honestly, I and I remember hearing that we might have had some kind of time jump, but I think it's going to take place in eighty-five. This oh, one. okay. 
that would be interesting if uh, Steve Harrington is older, but that's just an old commercial that they're airing for the mall. Oh. It's like it's been a few years. <laughs> well, that's what I found interesting about that commercial because it doesn't look like a commercial that was filmed and aired at the time appropriate. It mm-hmm. looks like archival footage. Like they dug up. Hmm. Like, oh, this is something that took place in 85. So Maybe that's like, what happens at the end of this season. You find out like everything we've watched so far is like... It's Cloverfield? Yeah. Essentially, <laughs> it's it's scientists going through like this, going through files of like this is what mm-hmm. happened in this town. Now we can figure out why oh, this is happening today. Yeah. Oh, so there might even be a little 12 monkeys in there. Yeah, a little bit of a 12 monkeys. Oh. So the fourth season, which is supposed to be the final season... I'm glad they're not taking it farther. Yeah. If I remember, that's what the Duffer said, is that four seasons is all they were going to do. Might all be set in present day. But then you would get rid of the kids, and I don't think anybody wants that. Like, people love the show because of the kids. The one thing... um, Oh, but if this is still in tune with, like, you know, being inspired by things like Stephen King, mm -hmm. then we'll have... Older versions? We'll have older versions 27 years later. (laughs) I'm getting such a geek boner right now. And then maybe the two two will meet, like the younger kids and the older kids will will meet. they, They can't do it. They can't do that. Um, because that's Paper Girls. Oh, really? Paper Girls is that. Well, so I, they can't touch it. I mean, it's not like the Duffers aren't used to stealing stuff, so. I, I, I don't know anything maybe, about this. Maybe it'll be Strangers, like. No, I'm not saying they're stealing anything. I'm just saying that they're, all their things are taken from other stuff. But they're like, referential, but nothing that's like an ongoing property, I don't Well, think. there's the big controversy that was last year that was the, that, that someone said that they. Oh, they took their script or something. Yeah, they, supposed to that be. someone else pitched it and it was called Hawthorne or yeah. whatever. Hawkins. Yeah. Was, the thing was called Hawkins or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's right. I remember, I remember that. this. So. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, the, after Stranger Things happened, I was sad because they wouldn't get to a- adapt Paper Girls into a show <laughs> because it's going to feel the same. Oh. I hope they still do it. Well, I mean, it's there's also I'm sure they will. Disney's The Kid. The Kid? Yeah, but that not that more of an existential thing? Like, isn't he just seeing the younger version of himself in his head? No, I think he was really real. Like something. Was he? I think so. I don't remember. Was that I don't think I ever saw that movie. It was just a tumor. Yeah. So it's Bruce Willis. Meeting oh, his younger self. Are we talking about the TV show? No, no, no. That's because I watched that show. Bruno the Kid. Yeah, I watched that. Bruno the Spy. <laughs> no, it was like I watched that in Spanish. This Disney movie that he made. <laughs> it was Bruno. after Sixth Sense, and it's the kid. The kid that plays the younger version of him is the one that's on. Uh, uh, what is, is it, it? Joseph Gordon-Levitt? No, it was the <laughs> that superhero movie that Disney made that looked like the oh, Fantastic Sky Four. High. No, not no, that not one. Sky High. Not Sky High. It looked like Fantastic Four. Yeah. Um, they had the one girl that could do Still sounds like you're talking. and the boy could turn, turn invisible and the other boy could get real fat. This is the one that had, um, was it called it, Zoom? It, it had, Zoom Academy? Yeah. Yeah. That was that one. That was the one with, um, freaking Buzz Lightyear. Yes. Tim yeah, Allen. Tim Allen. I thought I already said that. Did I not say that? No. No. Oh, yeah. No, that movie was real bad. <laughs> and they, they had like a hand that got bigger and he hit somebody with so it. So that, 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 that kid yeah. played the younger version of Bruce Willis. Oh God. Why him? I don't know. He's. It was, isn't that kid like time? Beans from like, Even yes, Stevens? that's right. He was in Even Stevens. <laughs> Jesus. So 90s nostalgia. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know where we're, I was going with all that. The stealing things, Stranger Things. Yeah, we just kind of derailed it. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you talk, brought up Disney's The Kid. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, that's just that. that's one way they could go, but like not meeting themselves, I kind of agree that too would kind of be stretching it too far, but mm-hmm. having a time jump where you see them as adults too and, and there's a scene where it's like, we have to go back, you know, and 
It's the we source where I'll look. <laughs> Every time someone says that, I can think of was lost. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> we, have to go, we have to go back to the island. We have to go back to the island. And Matt Fox is heavy We have to go breathing. back to Hawkins. <laughs> Uh, any game, video gaming news this week? Um, so, I mean, there were a few different things. Uh, something with bigger implications that we talked about. Uh, for Blizzard, Blizzard pulled back on Heroes of the Storm uh, and a bunch of other properties of theirs, Warcraft among them, which is a huge cash cow for them. Um, it seems just like, sounds crazy to me. Yeah, well, at the same time, Warcraft, they've pulled back on before. Really? They back into after it got a little more success. This one is just a really big deal because... Um, Heroes of the Storm is their it was their up and coming one that was like seemed ready and primed for some esports stuff, but they they already have the League of Legends stuff like their their huge one, um, the international for Dota like I don't think anyone needed another MOBA. Mm-hmm. However, Heroes of the Storm is the best of them all. So yeah. Um, other than that, uh, I'm really 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 excited for this new game Gris that came out. It's been out like it's been teased for a long time. It's gorgeous. Everyone should play it, and it's only out on PC and Switch, so I have not played it yet. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, that means I'm not going to have access to it either. <laughs> it, it, it sucks, man. It's, I, it, it's a game that should come out on phones, also, though. Honestly, and I wouldn't be surprised. It's Devolver Digital that is the the actual um, the publisher for it. So you know, I bet that's what uh, the people that made Diablo were thinking. People were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also there's a brand new song in Beat Saber. Everyone go play that one. Not the best song in the world, but, but very fun Saber. as far as the <laughs> Beat Saber is always good. <laughs> All right. Before we get into our episode, we went and saw a movie this week. We're not. We're going to keep what? it spoiler free. What? Yeah. You saw a movie without me. No, I saw it with you. And you <laughs> went and saw it a second time without me. So there. <laughs> we went and saw Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and all I can do is, is, is have praise for that movie. That movie was amazing. And I actually went in with I wouldn't say low expectations, but not high expectations for the movie. I was blown away. I was actually able to go in just completely open-minded, which is pretty rare for me these days. I usually have a well-formed, educated guess or opinion prior. This one, I just was like, you know what? I don't know what to expect. Um, I'm just going to see what happens. And this was an eye-gasm festival, (laughs) which led to some salty discharging which I came to find out was Tears of Joy. Oh. I did not know I was capable of <laughs> that, such that was a thing. Sigh of these relief things? <laughs> I feel like that was a sigh of relief from Mitch about yeah. like what he was going to say it was. <laughs> it really was. It really was. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think everything that they threw into the movie, you know, meshed really well. It, it all, uh, you know, we follow the story of Miles Morales, mm-hmm. but we get so much more. We get to see like the relationships between all these characters and how they relate to each other, you know, being the same character, whether they are or mm-hmm. not, but in different ways, I was, I was super happy with it. Animated style, I think is very revolutionary and I very. think it's, 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 it's amazing to look at, but I did have my problems with it at some points. Is it, was it that it was, there was so much going on that it was hard to pick things out? Not just that. I mean that. I mean that does happen, mm-hmm. but I felt like the. I don't like it how in like some of the background stuff is just blurry and like out of mm. sync. I guess that's the best way I can describe it. It was so, RGB split. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, I I really liked a few uh, details about the cinematography here because when it's all done CGI, you can place your camera anywhere, as you mm-hmm. know, and they do do that. But I really appreciated that they reused 
the same angle for several shots, mm-hmm. making it seem like it's a physical location much more so, which subtly ends it gives it more realism, which is a hard thing to put in something that you know is not real, especially when it gets hyper stylized and you get some of the more psychedelic stuff. I still really appreciate it. There was one I kept seeing over and over. Uh, it was an angle from like the roof of a building mm-hmm. looking over the city mm-hmm. and you see the the shock waves of the interdimensional stuff happening mm-hmm. um, and it was always that same fixed angle and I love that because you know you don't have any crazy camera moves you don't have any like uh, unrealistic movement for those types of things it's establishing and it just works really well I just thought that was really neat I mean, detail it, they do the same thing with every time someone's gonna give their origin story like mm-hmm. yes it starts off the exact same way and it's it, it looks exactly the same which is and it, but it's awesome yes it um, works so well mm-hmm. uh steven i think you're the only one out of the two three of us that have seen seen it more than once very good uh <laughs> the second time around mm-hmm. just as good even better honestly uh I, I think it was just as good as the first time which is saying a lot for me usually i'm like oh, i already know that part was happening or this or that um i picked out whole things that like they meant something to me the first time around and the second time they meant more because of a callback to something earlier in the film. It's really cool. There are a lot of callbacks in that film. And one of the things that I have to say that I'm, I was really happy with, uh, because it's something that I don't usually like too much in superhero comic book movies, but I did like in this one is that instead of, because normally if I'm watching this comic book movie, I want them to pick one story and Mm -hmm. stick with that one and like have it as accurate to the comic book as is. This one takes so many different things from so many different books. Like even your villains, your mm-hmm. villains are from different runs. Like yeah. you're straight up not, it's not all the ones from the ultimate Spider-Man. It's not all from, you know, regular 616. It's, it's literally gra- picking and grabbing from all the different mm-hmm. Spider-Man stories that you can. Yeah. You had like a classic tombstone, but then you have this crazy scorpion that I've never seen before. Yeah. yeah exactly. I don't know who that guy is. Yeah. That's, I don't know where that scorpion comes yeah, from. Yeah. And then you have a, and then that, that, um, Kingpin is like from Ditko era Kingpin. Or something. Yeah. We were talking about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had like a very like uncle fester look to him. Mm-hmm. From, like, the sixties. I mean, he's the size of a wall. Like he's a moving wall. <laughs> yeah, moving no, talking wall. He's the twin of <laughs> No, like I, I don't know. There was just so much to be loved about that movie. No, no single piece of it wasn't like it wasn't perfectly crafted by all these people with putting their hands on at the same time. It's it's amazing. I, I think that it's one of the most rewarding animation experiences that I've had in a long time. This felt to me like somebody emptying their toy box of like all these different things and then just making one thing out of all of them because mm-hmm. it's essentially what happens. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. It was, uh, and I, I mean, that end credits, without revealing what it was, was amazing. <laughs> What's well, one of the things? So everything that happens in that movie is so much like self-awareness and sass. From the beginning when the film starts, when they show like even just the, the name of the, of the studios right after that, there are like four or five different things that are all just like, we've seen all the Spider-Man things. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to talk about all of it. This is a comic book movie. We've read comic books. We're going to like sass it up about those things. Even <laughs> They have that one little stamp in the beginning. Yep. It was just perfect. Yep. Yep. And, <sighs> and if you, you, you didn't know by this point, make sure to stay after the credits. Yes. yes. That's, I mean, and brush up on a couple of Spider-Man memes just to, kinda, <laughs> to have a frame of reference, but you'll, uh, you'll get it. It's awesome. It's so worth it. It's very uh, good. All right. Go see it as soon as possible and give them your money and let them know that you want more more films like this. More films like this. I, and you know what they've already talked about? There's a sequel in, in the makes and then there's a spinoff also. So mm-hmm. there, there's more coming. 
I'm very excited. All right, let's talk about Castle Rock episode seven from season one. It's called The Queen. Now, we talked about this as we were starting the episode. It could represent a few things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Definitely the most prominent one would be the queen from the chess set Mm -hmm. that we've seen uh, reference to and in the show many times up to this episode. There's there's even like like a million different implications that you could take from it referencing even just the chess piece though right exactly this is the first time i was excited about an episode afterwards <laughs> i liked the other episodes but i wasn't like i'm excited for next yeah week. no yeah, yeah exactly good. exactly the same way and uh meta contextually i thought it was also a lot to do with the rivalry between uh pangborn and uh matt uh Pastor Reaper, uh, Deeper. Deeper, yeah. Um, so in a way, it's almost like like th- she was the piece that they were both playing for. Mm-hmm. Essentially, mm-hmm. interesting. A little bit of that, I like that one. And that you know what that that definitely comes out in the episode too. So yeah. uh, th- this episode essentially is all about Ruth, mm-hmm. all about Ruth Deeper and her affliction, as I guess you can call it, uh, either in the grounded sense of her dementia as it's progressing, or in the supernatural sense of mm-hmm. she can actually walk through time or exist in multiple points of time at the same time. Uh, because essentially it's, it's what we're seeing is, is how she perceives things at the moment. She walks between rooms and as she goes into the other room, it becomes a different era of time. You know, it, it, she might be sitting there reading a book to young Henry Deaver. She might be, uh, standing at the doorway when, um, Alan, Pangborn comes back from mm. New Hampshire to say, hey, I'm back in town. And she says, hey, that, please don't ever leave. That was the part of the episode where I was like, oh, no, this, this might actually be like more of a supernatural thing. Everything up to that point mm-hmm. where they were showing like flashbacks or time things happening. I, I thought like, oh, no, this this is like a logical explanation. Like um, it's how her brain is processing Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. But then that part, like the fact that they ended the episode after the events right before the last scene mm-hmm. where uh, he gets shot. Right. Um, that, and then, and then like cutting back to when they first meet each other again as older people and he comes back and their relationship starts. I was like, Oh no, 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 no. This is to me, I, I'm interpreting this as being something much more substantial and just like some mixed up memories. Yeah, exactly. I think that the way that they, they, edited that mm-hmm. it definitely has bigger implications mm-hmm. maybe I mean, she can affect things in the past Hopefully. i think editing is a key word in this episode because there was a lot of that owed to that just the way oh, things yeah. were displayed mm-hmm. yeah. so that, obviously they are trying to tell a linear story but they are doing so in a way where the time jumps uh you know happens a lot because um essentially the end of the episode i keep saying essentially Basically, the end of the episode is where we left off at, or it starts off where we left off at the end of the last episode with uh, Pangborn running into the house after he sees a bloodied kid mm-hmm. on the, the steps and, and he had this whole thing rift Which about, you shouldn't have left me. In still didn't get resolved in this episode. Not really, but I, I think enough. we had some dialogue about that. We're like, what is this, was this part of the kid's main plan mm-hmm. to get Alan shot for uh, leaving him in that trunk? I'm I'm super curious. Also, I just want to say, um, uh, rest in peace to all of that showrunners like, like peace of mind and <laughs> happiness throughout this whole season because there were so many callbacks to previous scenes where they would have already had to have filmed 
the scenes that happened in this episode previously. True. And if one thing changed between then and now, like one piece of an outfit or something like that, it would have broken continuity. Mm-hmm. Sorry, person. <laughs> I wonder if they, well, from like a production standpoint, I mean, they obviously have to have a lot of this written out beforehand. Mm-hmm. So they just do, you know, the thing where they film as much as they can, even if it's not going to be needed for yeah. a certain time frame, and then save it for later because they know it's going to be. Case. Yeah, and then imagine being the. Uh, I, I feel more sorry for the continuity person that needs to yeah. make sure everything lines up. You mean the continuity people, the team yeah, they had yeah. for this show at this point? Very true. <laughs> uh, so as we see, we actually get a lot more information on Reverend Deaver mm-hmm. or Pastor Deaver. I don't know which which he is. At, at in this episode, he is. We can call him Father Father Deaver, and it'd be kind of accurate either way. Papa Deaver. Papa Deaver. Uh, sure, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, I mean, we find out that he's not, he wasn't the stand up husband that no. he's kind of being presented to be. We uh, find out that he also had tinnitus, apparently, and heard voices and possibly hinted at having had some kind of tumor removal or surgery. Right, is yes, because he said the doctor scraped it all out. Is, you know. is something uglier or something? It was what they, they said it was. I'll oh, look that up in the okay. meantime. Uh, yeah. And then he takes Henry out into the, these long walks into the woods that we've, we, we knew about from the last episode, but Henry doesn't hear the voice of God. Like, uh, Reverend Deaver does he just kind of pretends to, cause he also carries a gun. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's also very afraid of his father. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There was an affair happening, happening between the sheriff and, um, Ruth, Ruth way back when, at least. I don't know if we're actually, do we actually see them having an affair or is it just implied? They, implied. they just talk about it and say, well, I guess I don't know what that makes me when so referencing the husband. Why do you think it is that Alan, after, after Matthew Deaver, the Reverend dies, how come the two of them didn't end up together then? Why did it take till Alan to come back from New Hampshire before they ended up getting together? Her grief, maybe. Yeah. I'm guessing like right after the funeral, it wouldn't be, very yeah, nice it's not right after, together, but yeah. you could do a year later, two years later. This is like twenty years later that they ended up getting together. It's also possible she maybe like blamed herself for it, maybe a little bit on their affair. Mm. It's possible that whatever, because we saw a lot of what was going on in this episode that Ruth was starting to get really uh, concerned about her and um, and Henry's safety. And she talked about how she had everything packed up and was ready to go. And we find that later that she never, you know, followed through with that. Um, but it sounds like she wanted to just, you know, get out of Dodge before uh, Matthew Deaver actually ended up doing something, mm-hmm. which we knew that they were getting very close to doing because we're taking these weird trips in the middle of the night to the woods and, um, you know, Matthew Deaver trying to make sure that Henry could also hear the voices and stuff. So I think... Um, Afterwards, she blamed herself and what she had done, especially if uh, Matthew Deeper turns out to have found out about the affair. I'm sure that could have had like a massive effect on what ended up leading to his death. So that I mean, that brings me up to another point is that a lot of people in the town, as we've seen in the show, kind of blame Henry for the death of Matthew Deaver. And do we think... That now that we know there, there's a, there was this love triangle between Alan, Ruth, and and Matthew, that there could have been some other kind of scandal that happened there. Maybe Matthew. Maybe, maybe that's maybe, why he's no longer uh, police chief or whatever. 
Well, that could be it too. It just but but they also gave him a bridge, so I assume I don't know. Alan, I mean, is it true. possible Alan pushed Matthew off that cliff? No, because he said that he like blamed everything on that kid so like like vehemently when it happened. He's like, "You killed him." Yeah. Oh, that's true. But then he, but he also had that dialogue of, "Why are we both here when we both know what you want to say?" Like maybe he was testing it because he's like, maybe he how much he, he knows. Yeah, anything. exactly. Because he wanted Henry to be like, "I know you're the one that pushed my dad off that cliff." Yeah. But he's like, "No, I know you're the one that pushed your dad off that cliff," kind of thing. <laughs> no, you push my dad off that cliff. Don't point at no, me. You push, <laughs> you're, you're, you're pointing, pointing at me. Right now. This is a different kind of pointing. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I That's don't know. A Spider-Man reference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm definitely curious to see what the implication for that stuff is. I, I just think that there's, they gave so much, while still giving so little mm-hmm. in this, that they're they're making us watch more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is episode seven. We only have eight, nine, and ten left, so mm-hmm. it's it's definitely wrapping up or ramping up, if you want to see it, look at it that way. It's interesting that they would go into this particular kind of thing since they only have the three episodes left. This feels like an episode five kind of thing or something, or episode four even. In a standard production, I think that'd be right, but this is this Castle is Rock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is a whole different ballgame. Now, it's true. we talked about the kid coming back into the house and, mm-hmm. and dealing with Ruth, he either has a lot of Matthew's memories or is able to access them through Something. Ruth or he he might be the devil or he's the reincarnation of Matthew. I don't know what's going on, but he knew a lot of things that he shouldn't know. We've talked about the idea of him actually, like his powers being like a variation on the same kind of thing that the dead um, zone Molly has. Well, oh, the, the, oh empathy, yeah. the empathy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so the stuff that he's actually doing to someone is some kind of amplification of something. So like the guy who ends up with like super cancer, um, <laughs> he could have already had cancer and he just like amplified this within the guy in some way, shape or form. Um, he said that he gave direct proof that he has access to the memories by saying the the code to the safe is your birthday. Her birthday. What she likes to do after she has dinner mm-hmm. or what her tradition used to be. Yeah. The, the breakfast that he made her or the meal that he made her, stuff mm-hmm. that she liked. Yeah, and he was he was both kind of caring and also extremely creepy. Yeah. But you know what? I feel like that's a manipulation on the show's part. Like, he just looks creepy, and then they always have ominous music playing when he's around. So it's, it's like, he could literally be doing the nicest thing, and you'd be like, ah, oh, there's motive there, though. Well, I... That the, the directly happens in there where he's like, oh, like, no, like, I think you should stay where I can see you. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, because you pointed that out, right? Yeah. yeah during, during the episode, like, yeah, that really is a good thing. If he, yeah. she says she's feeling dizzy. Yeah. Like, it's like, lay on the couch. Like, <laughs> stay safe here. And, it's, but just, no. it's just the way he said it. It was uh, unsettling. And then they also show on the news, or at least Ruth gets to see it, uh, you know, after he walks in, he's like, okay. Walks over to the TV and it's on the news and it's saying that uh, they're suspecting arson at mm-hmm. the Juniper Hill. Um, insane asylum or mm-hmm. whatever they call it in there, mental institute. Sanitarium. And um, <laughs> yeah, there was something like 17 confirmed dead, and uh, police were looking for a suspect with no name, and they showed the picture, and it was the kid. And I was like, oh, so. Oh, I didn't catch that they showed a picture of the kid. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. right there in the that. corner. Yeah, you. I think you had a big dog in your lap that was craving all your attention. I don't, that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, as we see. She uses those the the chess pieces as totems, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, just like we essentially again, just like we we basically um, basically as we set as they they stated in the previous episode, um, 
But it was different than what we thought. We kind of assumed that it meant that it was her way of telling her if she when. had been in that room. Oh, I, I took it as being like when when she was. So if, if she was in an event, like if, if something was happening around her and she's like, I'm not sure if this is a now or, or if it's another a memory. time. Um, she would get to say, like, no, this is 2018 or whatever you're supposed to be in. Because the chess piece is here. Uh-huh. But as we see it's kind of portrayed in the, sh- the episode, it's more of a way of bringing her out of a memory so that she can be in the present time. Also, those chess pieces ended up, like, everywhere. They were not relegated to being like, <laughs> no, not at all. in particular. Do we think, and I didn't write this down while we were watching it, but do we think that there's any significance to which chess piece she chose to which memory? I think so. Yeah, because we saw the bishop in a couple of places where I think the correlation was uh, Matthew Matthew Deaver. Mm-hmm. Um, the queen, I believe, was in the living room. Well, it was definitely in the living room when Alan came back from New Hampshire and introduced himself again, or said, "Hey, I'm here," and she said, "Don't ever leave." I wonder if the if it's not even about like a specific person, but about the kind of memory. Maybe That'd be an interesting one. So. For them moving around to different rooms. I just thought about this right now, and maybe it was very obvious to everybody else. Because throughout the whole episode, we talk, they, they reference back, or Alan reference back to, like, you remember the first time when I came back and you opened the door and <laughs> what you said to me? And she said, you said, and she even says, like, I said, don't ever leave me, right, kind of thing, right? Is it possible that she says that only because she just killed him? And that's why she's saying don't ever leave? I don't know about that one. Cause so kind of like a butterfly effect thing. Yeah, you're talking about like, like causation versus right. Yeah. So like she went back in time to make sure he tells her she tells him never to leave, but it didn't come out. It comes out more affectionate than. I don't know if he gets to change anything for that one because the way she she would say is like don't leave me. He doesn't get to affect the thing. She's the one that shot him. No, no. <laughs> well, if, <laughs> if he hadn't left that day to go to the to the junkyard, gotcha. She might not have shot him. I mean, I guess that's true. I'm just saying. No, I'm just saying. Is is it because she just shot him? The reason why she says that, literally says it. Not, not, not. Maybe not to prevent it from happening, Mm -hmm. but because she did. He literally just left her by dying. So Mm. she's coming back. She's saying, "Don't ever leave me." So basically, it's she's like time traveling within her own like body memories or body. yeah. Yeah. So so when she said, "Don't leave me," in what is technically the past. She's saying the words that she actually means in the present. Mm-hmm. I like that idea a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, I, it, I don't know, just something that came to me at the moment not, as we not, were talking about it. it. It makes sense. I hope that that's, like, I hope that we get to see that she can affect time in the next episode. It reminds me a little bit of uh, the whole time traveling thing that Bran does in Game of Thrones. Where That's true. Where he, um, he calls out to his dad in a memory uh, once, and it's almost like, Ned can hear him. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you holding a sneeze in or something? <laughs> um, and uh, the second time that he visits that same memory, he doesn't say it that time, but you still see the reaction that Ned Stark had the first time as if he had heard it. So mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of neat, mm-hmm. like, you know, how it affects time that way. Or Possibly. if anybody who'd watched Lost, <laughs> yes. is the, 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 the rope that's in the ground that came from the well that they were holding on to when they traveled back in time, mm-hmm. then whoever later says like, oh, there's already a rope here. Why don't we dig it up? Hey, it's a well. It's like, like, what? That rope just constantly is in a loop itself. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's That's a question about time. Yeah. Is time a circle? 
<laughs> no. I don't think so. It's a Mobius strip. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else that you want to talk about? This, I mean, the, the episode is just good. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. not really much else that we can pick about it because it's it's all about Ruth and, and stuff like that. And we it's, talked about the things that we discovered in the episode. Like Sissy's basic acts her ass off in this Oh, one. really does. Yeah. I mean, it kind of explains, too, why she's not in a lot of the other episodes. Like, she's she's in it, but, like, it's like a scene here, a word there kind of thing. Well, yeah, this they, episode di- is, they directly show that. Yeah. She's doing something else. She comes, You see her in a scene in a normal way that she would appear in a previous episode. And she's like, oh, the sheets. Yep. And, and, and walks, walks off. And then we get an explanation of why. Uh-huh. Because, and that was also a crazy scene because that's that's or not that scene, but the scene leading up to that scene. Because the dog? She, yeah, the dog, the, the a dog gets hit by a car. Uh, Alan takes it upon himself to put the dog down because it's still alive, but it's very much yeah. hurt. And uh, the way the way he does it is, is slitting the dog's throat with a butcher knife. Later on, she, the very next scene, she wakes up in the morning in her bed, and the dog is there with a bloody neck, just kind of barking at him. I don't think no. That, I think that was the uh, squirrel that the dog had left on the pillow because he says that like dinner mints. Really? Yeah, yeah I, thought the, that I was think a that was a reference to the other dog that used to. Uh-huh. Um, but no, the dog, the dog that left the dinner mints, which was uh, uh, Puck. Yeah, that was a different type because you see the picture of that dog with Henry holding it, and it's like a beagle. It's not a. It's not a German Shepherd. I didn't. I didn't oh. know that. I thought they were. Um, is this supposed to be about her perception of the dogs? Yeah, maybe she was mixing dog. them up or something. She definitely but, could be. Yeah. yeah. But the the one that I saw, the one that she was perceiving at that moment, was the one that got hit by the car. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, because that's the dog that we saw like throughout the episode. Well, and I mean, we know that that does happen where she confuses two different uh, characters or people or whatever because she keeps seeing Matthew Deaver when as the kid, the kid and the vice kid versa. Is, yeah. Yeah. And then also herself, like the whole episode, even though it's the younger version of herself, which we see one time, the actress who's playing the younger version of herself, mm-hmm. her in her mind, she changes it to the, what she looks like now. Yeah. So that makes sense. It's an interesting one. It's a very interesting episode. I think that this episode couldn't happen without all of the previous episodes. Yeah. <laughs> and the episodes we complained about. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I wouldn't have paid for all the other episodes if I was like a person fun, like greenlighting the show, if I didn't know about this episode. <laughs> so you think that was part of the, the pitch? Like, yeah. wait till you get to episode seven. It's going to be out of this world and people are going to be talking about it for ages. And the first four studios they went to were like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Hulu was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 10 do, episodes you say I do also think it's odd That this episode Or these, this show itself Has the commercial breaks it, I mean it doesn't have commercials playing But it has the blackout scenes The blackout moments where a commercial would actually be fit in I have a theory on that Because I thought that was kind of weird too I was like, These are weird editing breaks And it would make more sense when they're like commercial breaks mm-hmm. um, In other markets They play them on regular television as opposed True. to on the streaming. Do you think, yeah. So, so they you might think have Castle Rock plays on regular TV in, in other countries? I think so, yeah. Oh. That's how you get your money? Yeah. Interesting. Especially if they don't have a presence in that country, but they still want to make that revenue, they can mm. lease them to whoever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we get that a lot with shows on Netflix that are regular TV shows in other countries. Like yeah. Black Mirror used to be. Travelers is a Canadian show. Misfits was a Australian show or New Zealand show. So Which Misfits? Misfits. It's not Australia. It's British. Yeah. No, they're British. Are you? Sh- well, they're British, yes. But I'm pretty sure it was a New Zealand show. Hmm. I don't know about that. The Mighty Johnson was New, Ge- New Zealand. I know that. Hmm. Anyways, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, anything else that you wanted to bring up that you thought interesting? No. You want to hear about some of these trivia things for this episode yes. on IMDb? 
Okay. Is anything good? Because I skimmed through it and I'm like, nah. I, I haven't really skimmed through it. So you, you didn't see anything good? Not really. All right. Well, then maybe we don't need to talk about <laughs> it. At the end, when Ruth showers to wash off the blood from shooting her boyfriend, it is reminiscent of when Sissy Spacek bathed after the prom scene in Carrie. Another Stephen King story. That's fair. Not Except that you don't see her naked, which might be for the best. <laughs> <laughs> so, nah, not really interesting. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. All right, guys, that's awesome. So let's talk. Next week, we're going to have uh, continuing Castle Rock. Indeed. Episode 8. Indeed. <laughs> we'll find out where we're going to go with these Deavers. We, we still need to find out what's what's Henry doing inside of his little His anechoic chamber. chamber. Yeah. Uh, what happened to his son? His son he, grandma gave him a fucking a fat package. Stack of, of cash. Yeah, <laughs> envelope full of money and said, hey, go have fun at a, at a mall somewhere. Yeah. In the middle of the night. Yeah, in the middle of the night. So we like, know who knows if he made it. Yeah. They said, you should get in a taxi. Yeah. Go over there. Uh, and then Molly. Molly did show up for a second in this episode. She wants to talk to Henry. She's talking to Ruth through the door because Ruth doesn't want to let her in. What did happen with that? She just kind of, she's like, hey, is Henry here? I need really need to talk to him. And she goes, no, he's not. And just kind of shuts the door on her. Well, she also reveals, well, Ruth reveals she, to Molly, yeah. is like, I saw you there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know what you did. And she's like, I'm sorry. And then Ruth's like, no, you did what you had to do. Like, like I'm cool with that. Yeah. But you got to go. And like, but she said, but it didn't take. He's back. Yes. Oh, Which is a terrifying right. yeah. he's, he's here right now or something. So, uh, all right. Steven. Me. Where can people find you? You can find me on the internet. Um, I, I can be found on not much point gaming. You can find me on Twitter, which I'm not active on, but my name is Peppermint Gent on there. You will <laughs> see me there after the new year, plus high quality things, and I have a whole bunch of graphic design things to show you all. John? I am at Magic Bollocks. And I am at Mitchipedia on Twitter. And if you want to talk to the rest of Geekly Radio, it's at Geekly Radio on Twitter, at Geekly Radio on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geekly Radio is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geekly Radio Network on our website, geeklyradio.com. .com. <laughs> but until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geekly Radio Network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.